ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 177. As always, I'm joined by Dom. It's it's an honor to be here with all three of you guys tonight. <laughs> and uh, for one of the last times, uh, you know, at the end of February, we're going to be saying goodbye to Jordan, unfortunately, but glad to have him once again. Jared, I can't tell you how glad I am to have you on this show. Now, Dom, that's a completely different story. But you, Jared, <laughs> are a special, special guest like our other special guest named... Andrew Taylor. Welcome, Andrew Taylor. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? On the internet, if you've uh, heard of him before, he's been on the podcast. He does yeah. a panel-to-panel podcast, uh, which talks about comic books. He does the... Apex Legends podcast with some of the OK Beast guys, which I'm forgetting the name of. What is it uh, called? Jumpmaster. Jump Jumpmaster. There you go. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Raccoon City Radio, right? Yeah. With yeah. Uh, Alex. Alex. Alex O'Neill. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we talked about how great of a name that was. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's coming back. It's coming back. There we with go. With the release of the Resident Evil 3 remake, right? Yep. Yep. Thank you for joining Alex, us again. You can ask. You can ask these guys. When I say something has a good name, I fucking mean that shit. Really good. Because if it if it doesn't have a good name, I will tear it to shreds. <laughs> oh, you should have heard his whole diatribe about um, you know, the game Celeste, the game yeah. studio that made that game. Their development studio is called Matt Plays Game. Matt makes games, yeah. and Jordan went in for about fifteen minutes about how that's like the worst <laughs> development studio name he's ever heard, and. Yeah, so if he gives you a compliment, game, he doesn't just hand those out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a great game. Uh, first time you're joining us since we were talking about this before we started recording E3, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've kind of made it a point this year. I want to have guests on a little bit more frequently, maybe other, you know, every couple of weeks. If you had heard in the intro, uh, Jordan's going to be leaving us at episode 180. Um, you know, sadly, after... 180 episodes, almost four years. It'll be like a week before we hit our four-year anniversary. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Anyways, now with that somber note out of the way, I was about to cry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's hop into the game new, uh, the gaming news you guys care about. First up, uh, this was kind of a big bombshell. Rod Ferguson, studio head at the Coalition, will be leaving the studio in March to join Blizzard and lead the Diablo franchise. Uh, and if you didn't know, uh, Rod Ferguson didn't just, you know, jump on when the coalition took over for Gears of War. He's been there since the beginning, since Gears One, with, you know, Cliffy B and the gang. This is an interesting departure because I do think it's a positive for Microsoft in a way, and it's a negative for Rod Ferguson in a way. And the reason I say that is. The biggest complaint with Gears of War, despite Gears Five feeling different than the previous iterations in the franchise is it still feels like it's in a place where it needs to not necessarily reinvent itself but it needs to sell itself like a new product again because it has become stale to the mass market right people just don't if you're out on gears war you're out and it's hard to sell people again um it doesn't necessarily need like a god of war moment i don't think it needs to be that drastic but i do think that you know rod ferguson leaving them getting maybe a new head of the coalition can steer gears in a interesting and more refreshing direction and with him leaving to blizzard uh if you've read any news about blizzard in the last year and a half they haven't really been in the best of places and i do think he's talented enough especially now he's going to be leading the diablo franchise that he's very charismatic and he 
He seems like he wants to do good by the fans. I just don't know if Blizzard is in a place where they will give him enough leeway to do that, you know? Um, but yeah, what yeah, do you guys no. think about him leaving? You know? Blizzard is obviously in a very weird spot right now, so oddly enough, this is probably the most uh, positive bit of PR that Blizzard's had in a good long while. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not even really the Diablo franchise that they had so much controversy over, but uh, it certainly had its share. And um, they you own a mobile phone, right? That comment was like ridiculous, right? right? Yeah, like <laughs> they um, they knew that people were anticipating the reveal of Diablo Four at BlizzCon what twenty eighteen. Uh, yeah, it was it was the year before last year, yeah. Yeah, they basically just came out and acted like, the fuck is your deal? It's a mobile game. You have a phone. Everybody has phones, right? And it's like, yeah, but that's not what we were fucking here for, asshole. <laughs> so um, they did that whole thing and pissed everybody off. And then when they did, did they reveal Diablo 4, like trailer and everything? Or did they just give info? They, just they revealed info. the cinematic trailer, which is like super yeah. dope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it looks sweet. Which, of course, those are always dope from Blizzard, but that was 2019, uh, though. That was last year. Like, yeah. Right. 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 The trailer, yeah. So this most recent BlizzCon is when they did that, and I wouldn't say that people were ultra hyped on what they saw there. You know, obviously, I'm not a Diablo fan, but from the outside looking in, it did not seem like people were utterly blown away once they finally did reveal Diablo. And this is to say nothing of the um, Hearthstone. Uh, Hong Kong issue that they had and all of that so um, yeah I think Blizzard could use this positivity that hopefully Rod Ferguson is going to bring with the Gears of War Andrew do you think that a change in leadership at the head of a coalition is something that franchise needs uh, I'd say probably I mean like like you were saying you don't want it to be as drastic as say like god of war kind of like basically a soft reboot but still a continuation but i think that blizzard has had some issues like we've talked about that they need to address and maybe having rod come in and kind of you know he's obviously committed seeing that he's been with the coalition and then you know clicky b and like the origins of like gears of war franchise and so seeing him come in and take over diablo or you know like the overall like direction of diablo i think is interesting to me because i mean it's always cool to see someone go from one huge franchise to another and honestly i i kind of disagree with jordan when it comes to people being excited about Diablo like I'm not a huge Diablo fan by any stretch of the imagination but I felt like fans were really excited with not only the cinematic trailer but there was also like a very small gameplay uh, trailer that they showed um, and it, it, it looks like Diablo but it looks pretty it's way more you know next gen looking and it, it I'm excited for it I'm excited to check it out um they made up for that 2018 debacle yeah this past year. well i mean yes and Maybe no not entirely but yeah it's just 
it's a lot of it I is think like that was my point is they didn't they didn't necessarily nail that part oh which is like yeah. they had they had a lot well i didn't i didn't say that right but yeah they had a lot to overcome i mean they the, didn't necessarily overcome what they had yeah. uh, the hole that they had dug for themselves i feel yeah, like the guy comes out on stage he's like yeah we messed up and that's all he says like it wasn't even like an apology <laughs> yeah. really it was just more so like yeah we know we did something stupid or whatever that's not an apology yeah. and so right yeah i mean having someone like rod come in like i said before it seems like he's committed you know especially to one franchise so why not you know you know sometimes it's good to get dip your toes into something new so having him check out diablo i think is cool um like i said not the biggest diablo fan so i don't really know what could change from previous iterations of the game but you know i i grew up with gears i'm sure you guys grew, grew up with gears and seeing someone like him you know switch gears <laughs> pun. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Uh, yeah see seeing him you know take over something new i think is exciting to me so yeah best of luck to him best of luck to blizzard uh maybe he's what they need to to have for any other pr debacles i don't know but yeah who yeah. knows it, it, it well, could be a really good change or it could not work at all who knows to that point uh i want to ask you this question dom he recently uh you know with gears they did the spinoff titles they did gears pop which obviously the hardcore fans weren't too excited about but then they also revealed happened? gears tactics right which is a strategy game in the vein of um <clears throat> God, the name's escaping me. XCOM. Thank Halo you. Wars. Oh. Yeah, and also Halo Wars, right? A little different. XCOM's a little different than Halo Wars. Um, still a strategy game, but the overall yeah. you know, base gameplay. Do you think, Dom, the part of this of him leading the Diablo franchise now is that they saw his experience with having non-mainline games you know, in production that excited fans? Do you think part of it is him coming over to make Diablo more than just Diablo 4, right? Have these spinoff titles and take advantage of a franchise for blizzard that is a, in a good place whereas some of their other stuff isn't like you know the recent release of warcraft 3 reforged didn't necessarily go over really well and in general warcraft is in a weird place do you think that's maybe why they brought him over because of his experience with you know stretching out a franchise and getting the most out of it yeah that makes sense because i mean diablo 4 well i mean what they showed it but like what is that probably another year or two before we you know before that game releases right 2021 uh, right yeah, it'll be a next-gen game for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and then what? that'll be the, the only Diablo game, you know, mainline Diablo game for another decade, just like three lasted a long time, right? So <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they'll probably be whatever they do for Diablo. I have never played any of those games, but probably, like, a lot of expansions there. But then also, I think you're right, like, you start seeing more spin-off type stuff. Um, maybe another Switch port. I don't know. <laughs> but I, 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 I get what you're saying, and he's probably going to, they got plans for him or he has plans for them uh, probably so yeah, yeah. too is we talked about his loyalty it had to be a really good opportunity a really lucrative opportunity for him to bounce right and leave so well, who knows maybe he was just a huge fan of diablo his entire life and the chance to lead that franchise was enough of an opportunity right for him to want to leave so we'll see what happens there with rod ferguson as he joins blizzard next up we had another departure uh, somebody who isn't necessarily as beloved as Rod Ferguson or as public-facing, one of the Hauser brothers uh, left Rockstar Studios. If you're not familiar, the Hauser Whoa. brothers were the co-founders of Rockstar Games. Yeah. And 
Dan Hauser left. And the only reason this was mentioned was in the uh, take to earnings calls and stakeholder things, which we'll get to later, because he's not Whoa. the type of person who wants to talk to the media. He very rarely even did interviews, right? They're very private, the Hauser brothers. Um, he left. His last day will be March 11th, officially. And uh, some questions have been coming up about why exactly he left. He had been on sabbatical since March of last year. And I guess he finally decided to leave. And some people point to the toxic workplace culture has been uh, overturned in these last uh, 8 to 12 months of it becoming less toxic. And uh, Take-Two has pushed Rockstar to quicken their development cycles because they're though they're making hand uh, over fist money with uh, you know Grand Theft Auto Online, they want more than just one game from Rockstar every generation, right? Uh, we only got Red Dead Redemption 2 technically for this gen. Grand Theft Auto 5 was a port. So it, it's interesting. He's a very private person. He was the lead writer for Red Dead Redemption 2 and a number of the other Rockstar games that people like. Uh, his brother is staying on at the company. They reconfirmed that. I I wouldn't say that he's leaving because it's getting better. That's like an odd way of like, yeah, you know, the, we're getting rid of the toxic workplace environment. Let's I'm going to leave yeah, now. Uh, the part of them pushing the development time to be a lot quicker, I think that could be an issue for him wanting to leave because they were already getting strained with, uh, you know, working 80-plus hours a week. He had mentioned in a quote that, they spend over 100 hours a week uh, writing the Red Dead Redemption 2 story. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird quote, too, because it almost seemed like he was kind of bragging about it. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, but, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just – I never – I understand a deadline. I understand crunch, and, like, I've been in a similar situation. Like, I understand how that all works, but, like – the video game industry needs to change. It all needs to change. It's not just Rockstar. It's not just Take-Two. Like, you have all these developers and these people that have personal lives that uh, these companies, I don't want to say they don't care about, but it, there's just some sort of, like, solution that needs to be made where it's like, okay, like, yeah, we get it. We have to have a deadline we've given our fans or the, the public or whoever, you know, this expectation. But, like, to be honest with you, like, not changing and like like you said jared you know it's it, it would be weird for dan hauser to be like oh the workplace is getting better i'm just gonna leave because of that so there's there's obviously other reasons for that but i mean i would be interested to find out why especially he's so private both yeah. of them are so private so like what's the point of leaving it's not like he's in the media all the time like you rarely see this guy well, basically. and to you, they're basically like Daft Punk. Like you just never see their faces. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But to your point about Crunch, he had a lot more pride in his Crunch, I would assume, because he was a co-founder of the studio, right? So he yeah. saw Crunch, I think, a lot differently than your average employee because it was a company he helped found. <clears throat> and they're like one of the most successful, if not the most successful developer going right now, you know? So Crunch yeah. to him is seen in a different light than, you know, your average everyday rock star employee. Yeah, there's, there's something weird about because um, it's happened to me too. I never worked hundred hour a week, but like oh. when you when you work like 70, 80 hours a week or whatever, like even though you didn't really, if it's, you didn't really want to do it or you felt a little pressure or whatever it is, like you fucking like you brag about it after. It's weird. Like you want to like like you want to talk about it because like you're like damn it, I did that. Um, I don't know. 
not that that makes it better um yeah like and like andrew said there's problems there and it seems like it's getting better uh apparently at rockstar at least um but yeah, I, I get why he would brag about it. That's like a common thing that people tend to do. It's I forget. There's a phrase for it where like, um, the way people talk about working a lot like reinforces and they like they I kind mean, of the, want to in a weird subconscious way, but they yeah. shouldn't. It's yeah. The guy's probably a workaholic, and yeah. like I mean, it kind of shows. And you've played Grand Theft Auto Five, you've played Red Dead Redemption Two, you've played all their other titles. You can tell the amount of work that's put into these games. But, like, once again, you have to think about the employees and the people who are working yeah. under you. Like, that's really what matters. And so, I mean, maybe he is leaving because the, he's whoever has stepped up and said, hey, we can't do this anymore. Maybe it's his brother who's like, no, we literally can't do this anymore. Because, like, then if reports are coming out of take two saying, hey, like, we're, we're crunching, like, all the time, um, then it's just bad. It's just bad press. And so he yeah. probably doesn't want to be part of that. I don't know. I'm sure or the tortured problems. artist thing, right? Of He's like, no, we need to have this crunch in place to make the games we make. And without yeah. that, we won't be able to reach that level of greatness. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the weirdest thing, though, is like their development cycles for all these games is so long. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like it's like six, seven, eight years sometimes. And it, like I, I enjoy pretty much everything, you know, Rockstar has ever put out. But like. It, it just baffles me like how long these games take and i guess there's probably some sense of pride of like the depth and the realism that they put into the games but it's like man i don't know I, it does, yeah it's well and then it's the interesting thing too right is if they if take two didn't own them would they even have crunch because they don't care about the timeline because they they know that yeah. once their game comes out it will sell but is it the take two thing of the corporate structure of forcing in the deadline right yeah. who knows it's so yep. weird. It's weird. Speaking, you know, speaking of uh, stakeholders and you know people who provide a lot of money to these game companies, there was a uh, a number of stakeholder call roundups. Uh, there was Ubisoft, there was Activision, there was Take Two. We got a bevy of information. I'm gonna run down all of it real quick, and then you guys can decide which one you personally find is the most interesting to talk about. All right? Sure. So, with Ubisoft, we had. The reaffirmation that they're going to release five AAA games between April of this year, 2020, and March of 2021. And they stated that three of these games will be Watch Dogs, Le Watch Dogs, Jesus, Watch you got Dogs this. Legion, our, uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, and Gods and Monsters. Now, after this news broke, people were wondering what those other two games are, right? We knew three of the five. Jason Trier followed up in a tweet saying... Hey, for all of those people wanting a Splinter Cell game, I hate to break it to you, but the other two games are AC and Far Cry. AC being Assassin's Creed. <coughs> so, yeah, if you take Jason Trier at his word, which we should, because he doesn't really talk about things unless they're confirmed by multiple sources for him, that means in the next year, well, until March 2021, we're going to be getting uh, Watch Dogs Legion, Rainbow Six Quarantine, Gods and Monsters, Assassin's Creed, Ragnarok, or Vikings, or whatever that is. And a new Far Cry game. Uh, they also said that three of those games will come out between October and December. And the other two will come out between January and March. So we'll see what happens there. It, I think we're all in agreement that Assassin's Creed will be one of those three that comes out between October and December. Um, yeah. And given Far Cry's track record, that'll probably come out between January and March. Because those games usually always come out in the first part of the year. Um 
next up, Activision. There was a lot of Call of Duty Real stuff. Real quick, Jared. Yep. 18,732. That's the number of studios that Ubisoft has around the world. And you can't make a mother <laughs> fucking Splinter Cell game? Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Get the fuck out of here, Eve Gimo. I don't want your bullshit Just Dance dance numbers at the beginning of an E3 until you open the badass Sam Lake intro. And he's got the fucking goggles on, right? That's all I want to see. No more of this Just Dance horseshit. Sam Fisher. 18,000 studios you have. Sam Fisher. My God. Sam Lake is uh, the studio head of Remedy, I think. Sam Lake, Sam Fisher, <laughs> goddamn Isaac Asimov. I don't care who does it. Somebody make a fucking Splinter Cell game. They have too many studios. Uh, I do think one is in development. I mean, I would hope. Uh, I who mean, knows? I thought that four years ago, Jared. Like, Valid you're bringing point. Sam, uh, Sam Fisher, right? You're bringing Sam Fisher into... The DLC for Ghost Recon Wildlands. <laughs> what? A featured character in that weird There's mobile no game. Game within yeah. a year or two of that. What are you doing? Well, they did it. They did it in a. He was in something else too. It's very weird the way they're handling that character and that IP in general. Uh, yeah. Next up, and Activision. D- they had dude, a ton the of. The biggest thing is the voice actor is getting too old. Like, oh, Michael Ironside. Play that role. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope it's not one of those things where he passes away before they decide to greenlight a project that would suck Ugh. uh activision they had a bunch of call of duty stuff which isn't super relevant to this podcast uh and all of the numbers were just typical things you'd expect from call of duty you know selling a bunch once coming out this year yada 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 um but they did announce that several remasters and reimaginings of games are going to be revealed in 2020 in the coming months so hmm. that's interesting um because when you think about their catalog in general it's like what do they have to reimagine or remaster you know um outside of the call of duties and such but we'll see what happens they've done some things with you know crash and spyro maybe they go back to those wells who knows yeah who has that who has that answer to that question of what else do they have because yeah crash and spyro they did well with remaking those games but like what else do they own that they might be talking about they remastered call of duty 4 already well, well, I mean, a remaster uh, of remaster... COD MW2 would kill, too, for people. They'd eat that yeah, up. Yeah, okay. They re- That'd be good. They remastered Ultimate Alliance, which I think was Activision. Oh, okay, okay. The yeah, it's 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 tough because you only really know them as the Call of Duty publisher, right? Um, but those remasters for both Spyro and Crash did really well and were really beloved. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough to think of, like, well, what what would they turn to? Yeah. You know, in terms they of- must... They, they must did. own a bunch Mario. of shit. Off the, off the top of my they head, have I don't. Tony Hawk. Yeah, but that, that that relationship is dead, right? That bridge is burned. Because that oh, that uh, license that they, partnership they ended. The uh, five was the last one on the contract, and that's why they rushed it out, and that's why it was like garbage. Was but they've got to have like the licensing rights for the earlier games. Yeah, but I'm saying that they can't. I don't think they can develop a new one with his name on it. I thought we were talking about remasters and remakes. Oh, yeah, true. Completely over my head, yes. They could probably remaster, <laughs> like, uh, Thug or something, or even one of the 20 yeah. Pro Skaters, yeah. 
Who knows? Because even the the HD remaster of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater is just like a collection of levels from the first three or four games. And so if they actually went in and just did the individual games full on, that would be a lot better because there's features and all that that weren't included. So it was an okay remaster and it looked good, but I would like to see a more comprehensive remastering or remaking of the original Tony Hawk games for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a... Because instead of labeling it as a reboot, because I don't think they'd want to do that to the fans, they could label a new Spiral or a Crash as a reimagining, you know? Um, I think those could sell fairly well. I don't know if they'd want to label those as a reboot and freak out the fan base. I don't know. Also, the thing that's probably going to kill my Tony Hawk hopes is probably not Tony Hawk himself, but moreover the licensed music from his original games. Oh, uh, God, yeah. <laughs> those are a nightmare for any of those types of games. Um, yeah. I'll just scrap like, it and just fill it up with Post Malone, right? <laughs> Jesus Ooh. Christ. He's pretty expensive. Oh. It'd probably be cheaper to get the licenses for the old soundtrack. Because he's like one of the most popular artists right now. A bunch of like one-off punk bands. Yeah. Uh, lastly, the the last stakeholder call was Take 2. This is where we got the, the biggest chunk of interesting information. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 sold 20 million copies uh, as of today. GTA 5 has hit 120 million, which is insane. The Outer Worlds, uh, which you're wondering why would they be reporting on that? Remember, Private Division is the weird like indie publisher for Take Two, uh, which published The Outer Worlds. It hit two million copies, and uh, yeah, so those are the sales numbers. According to that, GTA Five sold 20 million in 2019, which was the second best year for it uh, after the release year of the game, which is insane. GTA. Five online, man. That thing just keeps sounding like hotcakes. I just don't get it. Who doesn't have it yet? Who's still buying it? You have to think about the people who like play were playing it on 360 and PS3 that eventually got around to getting a console too, right? And then that was the reason for getting it is like, oh yeah, GTA Online on next gen consoles, which is like current gen, you know. But oh, like, what's or the buying rate? second copies for like siblings? I don't know, man. <laughs> Breaking their copy because they yeah, there's got to be people like. That's, that's got to be a thing is people are encouraging their friends to buy it for sure. Yeah. And you think about the number of people who buy games and then sell them back, right, to like GameStops and stuff. Imagine the number of people who bought GTA Five early in the generation, sold it, and they're like, oh, man, GTA Five Online's popping right now. And their friends tell them, go yeah. buy it again, you know? Yeah. And we also have to remember that this is no longer a $60 game. This could be $10 on sale sometimes, you know, with like a, what do they call them, shark card or shark points with a <laughs> yeah. pack of shark cards. So. Yeah. Yeah, That's this is different than the MPD, which reports revenue, right? This is copies sold. So to Jordan's point, if it's always on sale, you know, snag it up. Uh, next up, uh, some information about developers. They stated that we'll hear about Hangar 13, who are the developers of Mafia 3, and 2K Silicon Valley, who we talked about this probably at the end of last year. This is the studio that's now led by Michael Condry, who was uh, partly responsible for creating Dead Space. And then he moved over to work on Call of Duty. He left last Shout year out. to work at a new 2K studio. That's 2K Silicon Valley. They stated that those projects for those two dev teams will be revealed in the coming months. So we can assume either A, the console reveal events, or E3, right? Or a combination of both. Um, yeah, Hank. Bioshock. 
Hangar 13 is interesting because people feared that that studio might have had the uh, the red skull above it of getting closed, right? After Mafia 3 reviewed, like, kind of mixed and didn't sell very well. People thought that they might get the axe, but unfortunately they survived. Or fortunately they survived. Um, do you think their next game will be Mafia? Or do you think because that game didn't sell very well, 2K is like, just start a new IP, you know? What do you guys think is the most likely scenario for them? I would love to see them do another Mafia game because that was one of those swimming in sevens where it was like, you know, it's got a lot of glitches. It has uh, some, uh, they dropped the ball in some places as far as game mechanics um, and player uh, usability. But other than that, it seemed like there were some really solid parts of it. I know people love the story. So um, I would like to see them take another swing at Mafia uh, because... I know that is a game that, uh, a game series, a game uh, title that franchise that people, uh, you know, connect to for whatever reason, a lot of people, even that aren't like big into video games. So I certainly think that we're going to see a Mafia 4 at some point or a new Mafia game. Um, and I would like to see them give it another try because the glitches and, and all that, that uh, were unfortunately in the game, it it seems like something that could be remedied and um, it's not every day that you see a good story in a game so it's like the fact that they got that and they had at least some decent combat um, I'd love to see them have another try yeah I like yeah. that take I could see Mafia 4 coming out and uh, then having doubled down on it right and it's just way better that would be sweet because it seems like yeah. it yeah while maybe it wasn't a critical darling like a lot of people saw it like saw the potential in it um more so than your other swimming in seven type games. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, seven. I have a question for you regarding the other studio, right? The 2K Silicon Valley, the one yeah. led by Michael Condry, who was a co-creator of Dead Space. We're seeing a resurgence in survival horror right now. Obviously, we've talked about Resident Evil 2 remake and now 3 coming out. How would you feel if maybe he started a survival horror or horror adjacent franchise for Take-Two? Because that is something that's kind of missing from their catalog. Yeah. I think that they, sh I mean, from what I've understood and talking to people, a lot of people would buy like a Dead Space remastered like trilogy collection or something like that. So right there, right off the bat, they could make money off of that. Um, that'd be cool to see them do another game, another Dead Space game, and just call it Dead Space again. And just remember, this is Take Two, not EA. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, yeah, competitors. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We I mean, can yeah, just like, go full on horror with Bioshock. Yeah, just but like, I think we're already we've already got one in development elsewhere. Yeah, do some sort of like I don't know new horror IP or something like that. I, I don't really know, but yeah, I mean that like horror games sell, especially if they're good. So <laughs> why not? Yeah. Speaking of, you guys mentioned Bioshock. That's the last thing on here. Cloud Chamber, their new studio, has begun development on the next yeah. Bioshock and will be developing it for several years. So it looks like it's going to be a while before we see Isn't that new Bioshock it? game. Like, we talk about uh, Splinter Cell, and now we talk about Bioshock, and these are just game franchises that people have been dying for for years just begging to pay money to these developers and publishers right man so and expecting that they've been in development so why 
does it take so long for them to even get around to starting development on something like this? So Splinter Cell, we don't know anything about, right? But I remember when they uh, yeah. when Take Two first said something about Bioshock a few months ago, Jason right. Schreier like came alive and was like, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." And apparently, he let everyone know that it had been being True. worked on already, right? True. And maybe there was some kind so of maybe they scrapped something, right? They scrapped all or parts of it or something, and it's still going yeah. on now. But at least it seemed like. You know they've been aware that the world wants Bioshock, and they've been trying to make a new game, and just having whatever struggles they are, um, for at least for a few yeah. years or so. But it's like, how do you well, make a Bioshock Ken without Levine's... Ken Levine? You know, because after Irrational, yeah, shutdown, he's he like worked. taken the the skeleton of Irrational and turned it into Ghost House, I think. Ghost Story um, Games. Ghost Story Games, and uh, yeah, so obviously the way that things kind of ended with him and. Um, Bioshock Infinite, uh, they, I'm sure they would have loved for him to uh, create Bioshock 4, but nonetheless, it just, we shouldn't be having to wait this fucking long for games that people clearly want to buy and would clearly work in, you know, the modern scope of, of what we're playing. Yeah. The next story here is just a fun little tweet that got sent out that I thought, uh, added some possibility to what we could see at E3 or the next Xbox uh, event. So Drew Murray, who's the design director at The Initiative, which is uh, Microsoft's new quadruple-A studio, uh, he posted a photo wow. with the following. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have Phil Spencer visit The Initiative yesterday to tour the new studio, talk about X where Xbox is headed, and most importantly, get his hands on the sticks and experience the game in action. And accompanying this was a photo of him and Phil standing next to each other playing a game, but you couldn't see the screen. The reason I thought this was interesting is because that game in some manner is playable, right? Whether it's a vertical slice, yeah. whether it's a small section of the game. That gets me excited because I do think this leads credence to the fact that at the very least we'll see a teaser for the Initiatives game uh, this year. Um, it could still obviously be years away, but I do think it's cool that it's in a playable state, which means that I think they had Phil there to give him the confidence to want to show something early because Xbox has kind of moved away from showing a game two or three years out since the whole scale-bound debacle and all that, right? So I do think that this leads credence to the fact that we could see the Initiatives game, which is kind of exciting. Not any news there, really, but, yeah, neat little picture. It's pretty uh, yeah. it's pretty cool. Like, it sounds so positive. Uh if you remember back to when we got the big story about uh, Visceral and uh, how painful their development was on that Star Wars game. And uh, I remember one part of it was them explaining uh, how the EA executives would, would visit every, you know, every few months or every six months or whatever the, the time frame was to basically like check in, like check their progress and like, what do you have to show for us? And the, this might have been Anthem I'm talking about now that I think about it. Either way, um, basically the the EA the publisher Nonetheless, EA yeah the publisher would keep checking in uh, periodically at big dates and like they would have to show like oh shit like what do we have they'd have to have a demo put together a vertical slice whatever it was to show like what they've been doing and what they have um, and it sounded so intimidating and like they were always like backs against the wall trying to get something ready to show for those checkpoints um, and whereas what you just described from Phil doing sounds just awesome. so much more friendly and like the developers are posting a picture with him and like yeah phil came by and check it all out and it's all cool and he's into it or you know it just seems like well he's a better like, situation he said we couldn't wait 
We couldn't wait for him to get his hands on the sticks. Like, jeez, yeah. man, you're excited. You're it, yeah. excited. Well, a bit corny, maybe, is, but cool. He's been on a tour. He was in Japan, uh, and then he recently posted pictures with Double Fine and uh, with the initiative. So he's going around to all these studios, uh, probably just to get a feel of the game so he doesn't seem like he's talking out of his ass at E3. You know what I mean? Because Phil is the type of guy who actually <clears throat> plays video games pretty consistently, and I think he's the type of guy that – wants to know what he's talking about and not just get a script at the last moment in E3 of like, okay, we're talking about this third-person shooter. Okay, got it, got it. You know what I mean? He wants to actually have a feel for the game he's talking about. So I think that's pretty cool. Can you can you guys imagine Sony having anyone in the next generation that rivals Phil Spencer as far as um, just the connection with the community? Now, I know that Shuhei Yoshida has been like that in the past, but... His role has clearly changed, and uh, he also wasn't as high up as Phil Spencer. So hopefully, Herman on his level. What's that? Hopefully, Herman, whatever his last name is, Herman. Oh, Holst? Herman could could do it. Yeah, we'll see. He is uh, definitely someone that that I feel like is a candidate for that. But for someone on Phil's level, which is even higher than Herman, uh, to be as well-loved and well-respected as he is in not only the Xbox community, but just video game community as a whole I, is uh, is wild, man. I think if uh, Sean Layden was still there, I, I'd put my bets at like 85-90. With Jim Ryan now running the show, despite Herman Hulse being there, and I think it is possible, I just think that guy, he, he, his perspective on it is way more business suit tied up kind of, you know, not so much free-flowing. Yeah, but I even felt that way about Sean Layden. Like, I feel like the reason people love Phil Spencer is because they think they could uh, see themselves having a beer with him. Whereas, like, Sean Layden looks like the type of dude that would recommend you new types of wine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Phil literally wears <laughs> jeans funny. and t-shirts when, when you yeah. see him. And Sean Layden wore suits. Nice suits, though, but still... <laughs> Yeah, I guess I was saying specifically Sean Layden being that guy. I just felt that his leadership would lend itself to somebody like that emerging Jordan. Whereas with Jim Ryan, I just I don't know if he's the type of guy that's going to green light a personality to become that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like Sean, I'm working on some charcuterie over here. Could you help me out <laughs> with a nice cheese? Yeah. To pair with this Bordeaux. It's funny you brought a PlayStation though. So we have a roundup of some Sony uh, PlayStation Five news. Uh, not all of it positive. Actually, I don't think any of it's positive now that I'm looking at it. So first up, Sony recently updated its website with an official PS5 section. It stated they're not quite ready to unveil the next generation of PlayStation. Further, it also allowed signups to receive <laughs> updates regarding the console moving forward. I think, do you guys, uh, are you guys in agreement with me that this is them saying, hey, there's no February event, right? We're not going to have a yeah, February event. We're not ready to reveal the console yet, except for those magazine articles that we put out uh, Wired. twice now. Yeah. I think this is just them getting ahead of the, the PR they'd have to make up for, right, of people towards the end of the month being like, where was the event we were expecting in February? They're like, yo, we're not doing it anytime soon. Don't think it's happening. Um, yeah. It's, uh, the sign-up for the website, too, went away after a couple of hours. So I don't know if they limited it yeah. or it maybe got crashed because so many people were trying to go to sign up. Who knows, but... Do you guys feel like this has become more of a thing recently of companies uh, within the video game realm c coming forth and getting out ahead of this stuff? Like, hey, just so your expectations are on point, don't get too excited. This is not, like, a console reveal event. This is 
this is just a regular state of play, right? They'll, they'll say stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's reactionary to the state of play stuff, to the Nintendo Direct stuff, which is like never-ending of a new rumor there's a Direct this week, right? I think it's it's oh, smart yeah. to be like, yo, settle your expectations. It's not happening anytime soon. Um, it's kind of like a, a non-confirmation confirmation, right? Of They're not saying there's right. not an event in February, but the fact they're saying we're not revealing it anytime soon is like, yo, dude, it's yeah. not happening in February. Well, and they're just, yeah, it's just the opposite of how you expect them to act. You know, they just, they would never do that before now. And all of a sudden it's just like, hey, 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 by the way, by the way, just so you know. It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, the next story here, this one is, I, I put it in this bucket because PSVR is going to be an important thing moving forward with the PlayStation 5. But uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment announced the closing of Manchester Studio who was a developer they created in 2015 to work specifically on PSVR titles. Uh, Sony stated that yeah. the studio was folded because, quote, as part of our efforts to improve efficiency and operational effectiveness, unquote. Uh, and its unannounced project wasn't revealed because they were currently working on a project. I wanted to know from you guys, does this worry you about PSVR, that Sony's closing one of their own studios that was focused on making titles for it? Or do you think that, it means that they're shifting away more towards the third-party partnerships because with them, they don't feel the value in, you know, making them in-house because it hasn't taken off the way they might have expected. Like, what do you guys think? I don't think it's worrying me. I will say that this is unfortunately a little bit common with Sony on the VR front. Um, They have done this in the past with other studios like they what did they do with Gorilla? like they turned the cambridge studio into a gorilla satellite even though it had already previously existed and they were making rigs right the vr title so um and then they ended up shutting them down after rigs was released so um and i i think this might have even happened with on one other studio possibly also in the UK I definitely feel like that was a thing uh, maybe not VR related but uh, nonetheless um, and of course Drive Club which did do Drive Club VR uh, the studio was also in the UK but different than the one I was referencing earlier um, Jared do you know who, who made Drive Club? not a clue, <laughs> not a clue. anyways they made Drive Club VR. Drive Club was its own set of issues that, that shut that studio down. But uh, nonetheless, this is Evolution a Studios? weird line. Thank you, Jared. Um, which then went on to go be like a team at... Uh, now I'm forgetting the other studio name. Uh, but they had uh, more problems there. Nonetheless. Man. Um, they're walking this line of on how to have their first-party studios that do their big AAA games, and how to also have like uh, first-party internal studios that are either um, heavily focused on VR or heavily versed in VR, or are um, just solely doing VR. Um, that's what this studio was that that just got closed down. Also worth noting, they just picked up Insomniac, who has a lot of experience with VR. So, um, 
we'll see how it all balances out between them and their VR studio. Yeah. Dom, did you have something to add? Yeah, I think Jim Ryan rolled in for his uh, biannual checkpoint into the studio, and they were checkpoint. they were just all playing ping pong and had nothing to show him, so he dropped God. the hammer on oh, no. him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, oh, God. It's, I think with them having just bought Insomniac, um, you assume that they're working on VR stuff uh, first from a first-party perspective, so... I don't think it's quite worrying. It's certainly not a good sign for their their VR games, but they have said that, yep, uh, PSVR is going to work on PS5, and they are making a PSVR 2. I think they confirmed that. Um, so I, to me, that, that says more you know, uh, about... The, it means something to them, and they're going to keep investing in it, at least for now. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Are you a PSVR guy, Andrew? Uh, I had a PSVR and then my cat destroyed it. Um, oh, oh, whoa. Yeah, but it's it was cool. I mean, there's <laughs> there's better there's better VR rigs out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and lastly, according to Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki, uh, the PS5's price hasn't been decided. He stated on the matter. Quote, we are Whoa. competing in the space, so right now it's hard to discuss anything about the price at this point, unquote. Now, people think that this is, you know, since he put in the in there competing in the space and they haven't decided on a price, that they're waiting for Xbox to show their cards. The problem with that is we can probably assume that Xbox is going to reveal the price at E3, right? So if Sony reveals the console without a price or their reveals after E3, right? Do you think announcing a price like in July is too late with the product coming out in uh in August or, you know, November this fall? Yeah. Like it, August or November? I mean, I think it's definitely if it, it does come out this year, it's definitely coming out in November and no yeah. earlier than that. So yeah. I well, mean, then waiting on a price yeah. though, like what are your guys' opinions on it? Do you think well, it's th- it's a smart move? I think they're trying to gauge to see how much Xbox wants to charge for their console, but I mean, at this point, it's it's just another expensive like PC, pretty much. So it's probably going to be like five or six hundred dollars, well, and I'm sure Xbox will be the same. Yeah, like my opinion on it is more pessimistic than optimistic. So a lot of optimists see this as, oh, they're waiting for Xbox to announce a five hundred dollar price point so they can go four hundred. I don't think that way. I think that they're waiting so that way they make sure they don't charge too much. They're like, oh, Xbox is charging 500 We could charge 500 too. You know what I mean? I think mm. it's more of that of like, I don't think they're waiting for the price to undercut them. I think they're waiting for the price so they know how high they can make the price. Because I do think we're going to see this console generation. They're not trying to undercut each other because these are such powerful machines that they don't want to lose out on money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're willing well, to, a, what can we put it at? <laughs> yeah. It's a scale, right? Like both of what you just said is true right because maybe they're willing you know they have it uh, budgeted out where they could go as low as 300 but if xbox goes 500 then they're like well shit we'll go 400 because we can like you're saying there's no way it's budgeted 300 but yeah right yeah you you know what i mean (laughs) that math is wonky but the idea remains there um but then the inverse is also true um whereas if xbox is 400 or you know xbox is 300 then they know they can't go higher than that so it, it goes both ways for sure um among other factors, I would the headlines around like, yeah, he's you can definitely get the implication of what he said, but like 
he also said like yeah like there's a lot going on in the space and i don't think that's the only thing there's certainly like floors and ceilings and other things uh that are going to affect what they do and of course the competition is one of them well tariffs and all that stuff too on top of that right uh and then the coronavirus affecting manufacturing and stuff there's a lot of stuff going on right now um to this point too is that uh, you know, the PlayStation uh, 4 was cheaper than the Xbox One by $100, uh, but that escalation in price for the Xbox One was partially uh, the Connect, right? The Connect being boxed in and included. So if, it, if they shipped it without a connected launch, it probably would have been around the same price. My assumption would be that, but um, yeah. I, I, do, you, do we all believe that they're waiting on a price to match it, or are any of you confident enough that they do want to undercut them if possible? Oh, yeah, they'll undercut if they can, for sure. Just yeah. a matter of how much. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I it don't... worked so well last time, right? I mean... Yeah, but my concern is I don't know if they could f- afford to undercut this generation because of how powerful the machines are, right? Like, here's the thing. If a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox are the same price, that's still a, a plus for PlayStation, right, in a way? Like, the only way it hurts PlayStation is if they're more expensive, in my eyes, right? Like, if mm-hmm. PlayStation is more expensive than the Xbox, that's an issue. But if they're the same price, I think that's perfectly fine for PlayStation. You know what I mean? Yeah. As yeah, it depends on what that floor digital is. Digital games have gotten. As big as digital games have gotten, I definitely think that people are going to want to stick with, you know, the console that they were on this generation if they're just going to do one. Yeah, well, and especially with PlayStation 5 now being backwards compatible with at least the PS4, right? So. Man. Yeah. And, like,. Right. I it, I don't know why I didn't realize it sooner too. Like, obviously the digital games you've bought, it's backwards compatible now, so you get those like pushing you to stay in your your ecosystem. But even for like the amount of people that still bought physical games, a long time ago, both these companies thought, oh well, duh, we'll just start giving these fuckers away free games that are digital, right? With PS Plus and Xbox Live Gold, um, they probably don't call us fuckers, but um, <laughs> <laughs> they just started surprised. giving us. Uh, free digital games right so now even if you weren't someone who bought a bunch of digital games before um if you're a subscriber then yeah all of a sudden you've got this library that is going to carry over um to the new system even if you know what i mean so like even those reluctant to go digital they found a way to get you in so i think jordan's that, jordan's right like that plays a big role here um and how they price this probably yeah yeah you guys want to hop into what we've been playing sure. cool so i'll start uh, before we started the podcast, Andrew and I were talking about Season 4, Assimilation, for Apex Legends. I've only played a couple of hours. Assimilation. Uh, tried out the new sniper. Uh, Andrew and I were also talking about, like, I'm not a huge sniper guy in Apex Legends, so my opinions on it aren't really relevant, because, you know, it's just not the, my weapon of choice. Uh, used Revenant a couple of times. I really like his, his toolkit. Um, his whole, like, lore and backstory and everything is super dope. He's... In my opinion, like the first true villainous character in Apex Legends, a lot of mm-hmm. them are like bad guys, but they're like comically like, oh yeah, I'm a bad guy, you know. I'm a bad. I guess guy. Caustic would be the most like scary because of you see his backstory of like, you know, poisoning people to death and stuff, but he wasn't really like terrifying. Whereas like Revenant is terrifying, like he's yeah scary. Um, I just like his design. I liked how he was introduced. We had talked about it, how Forge was introduced, and then he was killed off. So having fun with that. 
Um, I love that you can earn the in-game currency to just buy the next battle pass. So I didn't even have to spend any money because I went ham with season three. So with season four, I just logged in. Did you do that with Fortnite? Uh, yeah, but from my experience, the currency in Fortnite is harder to acquire. But also, I'm not somebody who plays a ton of Fortnite, okay. so I may be misspeaking on that. But with Apex, okay. I logged in. I had enough currency to buy the battle pass and the legend because new legends cost in-game currency as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's super simple to do that if you put enough time into the game. Otherwise, I think the battle pass is 10 bucks. Well, like $9, I think, technically. It's like eight ninety nine or something for enough Apex coins to nice. buy it. Um, yeah, enjoying that. The, Apex coins. The, uh, the game I've been playing the most, though, this week is Outer Worlds. So... This was a game I was super excited about at launch, and then something else came out, and I had to jump ship. I don't uh, maybe Fallen Order uh, is the game that came out, um, but yeah, I had to jump ship from it and stop playing. Uh, but um, Outer Worlds, I decided to jump back in. Ship. Now that yeah, jump back in the ship. Now that I had recently finished uh, Guacamelee Two, been playing it a bunch. It's exact yeah. like I'm head over heels in love with this game. Not because it does anything innovative, as has previously been stated, but it's just like more of that Fallout goodness, right, without a lot of the issues. It actually, through my entire time playing, I've only experienced one bug, and it was an enemy falling through the ground, um, which like didn't really affect me negatively. It's like, okay, he's dead now. The characters are really good. The companions, for the most part, are really cool. I think five of the six are well-written. I think one of them is annoying for the sake of being annoying, and in that sense, I do think it's well-written. His name is Felix. He's meant to be like the whiny, annoying character of the bunch. Uh, their companion quests aren't to the level of Mass Effect 2. I mean, that's, you know, that's like God tier in terms of video game companion quests. But they are solid enough to get you interested in the character's backstories. Mm -hmm. The worlds are varied enough. I do wish, and this is a part of the budget, I do wish that some of them were more expansive. Like, I understand having small to mid-sized worlds because this is they're not trying to be followed they're trying to be something in between that's a little bit more approachable and accessible but i do wish for the awe factor to have that like one location that's like oh this is the place you know and maybe that's towards end game um that they could do that in the sequel because we know that there's probably going to be a sequel um the one thing i will say is i don't find myself and this is a product of me playing rpgs i don't know if you guys are the same way I get to a point where I scoop up all of these tonics and potions and things that I think I'll eventually use. And then by the time I'm done with the game, I just never use them. And it's just like I never yeah. find them useful. Um, with this game, I found that you can easily, if you grind enough, you can build your armor and guns up to the point where you're, you're just wrecking shop. Like things aren't difficult at all. You're just destroying um, – there's the, the whole good and bad reputation system in this game, obviously. But one of the, the neatest things that they did is um, I was talking to this girl uh, in this mission, and I had to get research from her, research notes. Now, mm -hmm. I... Oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> talking through the conversation, God. Uh, I decided, I, I in the conversation, I decided to not take the research notes from her and let her use them, but I didn't actually want to do that. But there was no way of going back. So instead of reloading a save, what I did is I killed her and then took the notes off of her body. And in the Whoa, so the way it worked I is in the in the conversation, the quest 
marked out the X of me helping the guy instead of the girl, right? But then once I killed her and took the notes, it removed the X and put a check mark. So I think that's pretty cool. I didn't have to go and reload a save. I just had to do something a little bit, you know, immoral to fix my mistake, but I could do that and it was in the game systems. I thought that was really neat. Um, enemy variety. That's fucked up, dude. And I don't know if you had this problem, Dom, because I knew you finished the game. Enemy variety is a little lackluster. There's not a whole lot of different types of enemies. It's pretty much like the gorilla type things, the dog type things, and the scorpion type things. You know, um, mm -hmm. that's pretty much all it is. Various colors and sizes, but it's pretty much all it is. I was kind of like the the gun variety was kind of like the and they weren't that cool. I don't know. Yeah, did you use any of the science weapons? Like the yeah. shrink ray and the weird amorphous like thing. Oh, shrink. Okay, never mind. Nope, I didn't. Never mind. And actually, <laughs> I take back my criticism because I <laughs> wow, I missed out apparently. Yes, yeah, so cool. there's a, a side quest where you can go and acquire oh, all so of these science weapons that do different things. Um, there's actually an achievement I think for using like five of them on the same enemy, which is like torture. You like shrink it and then you turn it into something else, and then you like it's awful. Um, what I will <laughs> say is this game suffers from the indie budget, but I do think that now that they're owned by Microsoft, I think that they're going to get enough budget and backing behind it that the second one will be that sequel that takes it to the next level. I do think this is a really cool, awesome proof of concept that does struggle in some areas, like Dom said, with the gun variety and the enemy variety. But that stuff is more of a byproduct of the budget, right? And that they wanted to get this out and they were getting published by an indie publisher. I do think that all that stuff can be fixed with more financial backing and support from a bigger publisher like Microsoft. So, yeah, I'm not done with the game yet. I'm still 23 hours in. I looked up on how long to beat how normally, and it's 14 hours normally for people, which is crazy to me because I'm 23 hours in, and I still think I probably have another 10 hours at least. Um, yeah, I like that website um, because it'll show the main the main story at 14 hours, main story plus some extras completions you know, yeah 25 hours or completionist 45 hours or whatever it kind of goes through like how you the different ways you could do it LTV. yeah um still enjoying that hope to beat it this uh, this coming week uh i want to try to get through uh this so i can hop into possibly metro exodus it's a shame i haven't played that game yet despite me loving Ooh. the first two titles um but yeah it's been my time with outer worlds I, I really can't wait for the sequel. I think I'll end up liking this game a lot, but I don't know if I'll love it because um, of the, the drawbacks of it being a, a more indie-ish title. But, yeah, I'm enjoying my time with it. Who wants to go next? What have you been playing? Yo, Day's fucking gone, man. Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> and, Walking yeah. Dead. <laughs> and I know why they call it Day's Gone, because you love oh, playing oh, yeah. the game so much that you just lose days to it. Your days are just gone. Because you spent so much time in the Dude, damn game. That's deep. <laughs> God. No, it's it's cool though. Um, I finished the the main story, I guess you could say. There's still I still have like apparently twenty damn hordes to go and kill, and I'm gonna kill all of them because oh, it is great. Uh, I've taken oh. down a few already. Um, uh, it was only last week where I said like it didn't seem like it was possible to do that, but. <laughs> um, you get more powerful towards the end of the game and like man it's just it is great fun fighting giant zombie hordes uh they do a great job of um giving you the tools so you can you know set up traps and like look around the environment and try to plan out like oh i'm gonna you know draw them in this way and funnel them through this little tunnel and then i can just like start pegging them 
Um, but then too, as you approach them, uh, what they do that great thing with the music. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just like low beats of just like it's almost like a Jaws thing, but cooler. Um, yeah. And then when the sounds of impending doom. Yeah, and the the environments are super. It's Oregon, right? So the environments are super uh, varied, uh, vert- verticality wise. I don't know. What, there's a lot of mountains and hills, you know, and valleys. So yeah. a lot of times you can see you'll see the giant horde, um, and it's just like it's damn scary and then when they start coming at you you're like oh shit like it you can really feel uh like damn like that's that's a thousand damn zombies all running right at me is it the the gameplay that has you hooked and not necessarily the narrative it's both uh the narrative was really good too i mentioned last week also like uh it's it's another zombie game so like it, it retreads a lot of the typical zombie themes and tropes um but yeah. it still does some new stuff to keep it cool and it 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 knows what you know about zombie stuff you know what i mean it doesn't it, it it's not boring in that sense we're like oh here we go with this again it doesn't stay on that stuff um <laughs> but the characters are super interesting too for the most part um i will say like and then yeah like the gameplay is, is super super good like i can't i can't praise that enough just riding around the world them on your bike is, is fantastic and then i mentioned yeah. uh, some of the combat it's actually fighting uh human enemies is actually kind of like the worst part of the combat like like fighting zombies and hordes is way oh. cooler um but the one the one gripe i guess is um and this is especially compared to and probably unfairly compared to all the other sony first party games the cohesiveness i guess of like the cutscenes with the gameplay is like a little less polished mm. than you know, like a Last of Us and Uncharted it's like jarring, God of War. Yeah. Um, and granted, this is a giant open world game, super long game, um, so it's kind of unfair. Is it like where characters like you get into a cutscene and characters like are locking into place like really stiff? Yeah, it's not like... it's not that clunky, but it's more like you're riding your bike and uh, you kind of come up onto the objective like a like in a GTA, right? But then the screen cuts to black. And then all of a sudden you're 30 yards ahead of where you had just started. And then it, the, just the uh, okay. transitions are just a little awkward sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, yeah, you're kind of <clears throat> nitpicking at this point, but just some of that polish wasn't quite up to like the Sony first party, uh, you know, quality level, but it's not, yeah. it's not horrible. Right. It's, it's totally like, it's nothing you think about too much, but. Well, this yeah. is the studio's like first major triple yeah. A ish game, right? Yeah, and man, I can't yeah. say it's it's huge. In a long time, at least, yeah. I think I spent at least like fifty hours in this place, and like it's enormous, and there's still a lot to go. And um, yeah, man, I don't know, it's it's great fun, and I have a Death Stranding BB on my motorcycle, so I'll take t- that what you will. I'll tell you this much, Dom. There's a PlayStation sale going on right now, right? And because of you, I hovered over Days Gone for twenty bucks, <laughs> if, and I was like, do I pull the trigger? Dom's been talking about this game so much. And then I looked over to Twitter, and uh, the Metro Exodus account tweeted, and I'm like, I can't buy this game for 20 bucks if I still haven't started Metro Exodus. So to I let mean, you know, though, it'll you be on sold sale. me on it enough to hover over it, which beforehand like, I would have never what'd done. What you say, Metro? Oh, okay. Bye, days <laughs> yeah. gone. It'll definitely be on sale again. It's been on sale many times already. So Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it, though, because it, it definitely hit both of those levels of interest for you, right, of the Sons of Anarchy and The Walking Dead. And sometimes that can be a blessing or a curse, depending on if they nail it. And it seems like they nailed it for you, which is super dope. 
Man, it's it's definitely the best Far Cry game I've ever played too. Huh. Ooh, those are that's Whoa. that's interesting. I <laughs> Damn, that's that's a, that's a spicy take. <laughs> uh, Jordan or Andrew, either of you want to go next? What you've been playing? Jordan, I'll you can you go. Guys go. <laughs> okay. Too nice, each of you. Well, uh, the reason that I was uh, holding off there for a second is because uh, I'm currently pressing proceed to checkout and i'm currently pressing confirm purchase for a 2184 total on oh nice <laughs> i better get you a st- kickback for that i get my 10 percent you sold or something him. you sold them yeah. on it yeah that that is totally and i don't want to diminish the game by any means it seems like a really solid 20 dollar game you know at its worst yeah. it's yeah. like yeah. this is a game yeah. you pick up on sale and play and you don't I think it coming out at 60, because I'm assuming all of the technical bugs are kind of gone at this point, right, Dom? They've kind of updated it at, by now? I've had, like, two glitches. Uh, one, the game crashed once. Like, typical open-world stuff, right, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, and then, okay. Yeah, the game crashed once, and then yes. one house was, like, up in the air, and I couldn't get in it. A house? I haven't <laughs> yeah, heard that one before. Like, I've heard characters. A house. Interesting. Yeah, a whole house. Yeah. What the hell? The, so you could game... see through the bottom of it? weird i couldn't do anything yeah, I, I Andrew, what were you gonna weird. say sorry oh i was just gonna say that game from what they've said is they and from what i've seen is that they've made a lot of huge improvements with that game that's solid it's from 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 launch because yeah. like it had a lot of issues at launch that people were complaining about like content and like things to do in the game and it sounds like they've kind of really turned it around with that game so honestly it's one, i have the game i bought it at launch i never finished it but uh, I'm def- I've definitely thought about going back to it, and I twenty bucks for that game is kind of a, a steal. Like it's that's highway robbery, to be honest, yeah. for the amount of content that you get with Days Gone. So, and the fact that it's in better yeah, shape I now too. Actually, yeah. I yeah, I had always planned on picking the game up at some point, but I wanted first uh, a sale. I wanted it to be cheaper than sixty, and two, I wanted to speak with someone directly who had played it and been like, yeah, it's worth picking yeah. up. So the, both of those things happened. I didn't know it was on sale. Jared, you let me know about that, so thanks. And um, Dom, listening to your uh, soliloquies over the weeks, has told me that this is at least worth checking out, yeah. if nothing else, uh, because it seems like the gameplay... Uh, is a lot more solid than when they first started out and waiting this time for it to go down in price has probably given them that time to polish up those glitches that did seem a little bit prevalent uh when the game first and, and one one last thing too i'll say in the gameplay is when you start the first like i don't know 20 hour 10 20 hours like it's more of a survival game and it's tough like you yeah, steer clear okay. of larger groups of zombies and your resources are limited. You don't have great guns, and it it feels more like The Last of Us, right? But now, that certainly by the point where I'm at, the last third of the game, the gameplay kind of evolves, and you become more powerful, and, and you approach things differently, um, and that's kind of cool. It has so it has good progression, um, yeah, like that. Where I, even though like you earn skills and get new abilities, but they're kind of those are actually kind of like lame. It's like your headshots give you health back, and your crossbow does more damage, and your health cocktails give you more health it's like the, the upgrades are kind of like um, yeah 
they're useful but not like exciting new abilities necessarily um sounds like a great 20 dollars game <laughs> to me. it is yeah so, you're going to be playing days gone possibly in the future jordan but what did you do this last week yes of course what did i do in the past good now something that i decided to uh learn a little bit more about recently was uh what is called the troubles and that is uh, something that we might know in America is like the Irish Civil War, um, which is uh, takes place during the late 60s all the way to the late 90s. And it is basically um, Northern Ireland um, wanting their independence from Britain and not being part of the United Kingdom, uh, which Ireland itself already has. And a lot of people don't realize that Ireland and Northern Ireland are separate deals even though at the end of the day it's all Ireland, right? So um, then um, it got really ugly, and it's just such an interesting uh, series of events uh, that was really just civilians kind of terrorizing each other with with terrorist attacks. Um, So it's very ugly, uh, but it was something that I definitely wanted to know more about because I was not... uh, brushed up on that aspect of history so I watched um, a couple documentaries and then I've also uh, watched a really great movie called 71 as in uh, like the year 71 and it's a fictional tale about a British soldier who goes in to help with the riots in Northern Ireland in 71 and um, ends up just dealing with all kinds of chaos and it shows you his story so uh, I really enjoyed that and then uh, before the podcast I actually finished off a documentary called uh, No Stone Unturned which is about a small town outside of Belfast Ireland where most of the stuff was happening and um, there was a little terrorist attack in this random bar but the big part about it seems that um, there's a lot of police collusion and corruption that goes all the way seemingly up to the top in uh, Britain. So um, it's a very interesting story. Once again, very sad, but also goes more into uh, the bigger conflict of the Troubles. So um, that one was really good. I also watched a documentary called uh, Bobby Sands uh, 66 Days, which is about uh, of course, Bobby Sands, who uh, started the hunger strikes uh, during the Troubles uh, in some of the prisons, where these prisoners were trying to get uh, basically the status of political prisoners, uh, which obviously changes things for them. Um, all that being said, uh, oh, and I watched uh, Spotlight on the Troubles, A Secret History by the BBC, um, or first couple parts of it so far. Uh, which is a documentary series that they did recently. So um, all that being said, just learning a lot about that uh, specific part of history and um, unfortunately how ugly things got um, with, you know, brothers and sisters, really, neighbors across the street in um, Belfast and really all over Northern Ireland. So uh, I'll just I'll just leave it to that aspect of it because uh, those were several different things there. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing this past week. Nice. I love when that happens to me too, where you find some, like a point in history that really interests you, so you just take the deep dive. 
Like I'm learning everything I can. Certainly, certainly where I'm at is the deep dive. Yeah, uh, Andrew, what have you been playing this last week? Yeah, so you know, before the show, Jared and I we talked about Apex a little bit, and season four launched on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, I've only had a few matches to try that out, but so far I really like the changes they've made. I like the new legend they added and the new weapon that they added as well. Um, I have also gotten back into Overwatch after like oh, a nice. super long hiatus from playing that game like all together. Um, mm. I'm playing it again on PC, and I'm having a really good time with it. Um, before that, I actually had tried out League of Legends again, um, which is like crazy <laughs> because oh, no. the last time I played it is when the game actually officially came out. Um, so yeah, it's been like a really, really long time and yeah. Um, what else have I been playing? Nothing really on PS4. Um, my, I like made a goal for myself in 2020 to beat like a bunch of games, but I honestly haven't even had any time to do any of that. Um, so like I, I still want to like, there's still a bunch of games coming out soon that I really want to try out. Um, I'm definitely going to probably take a day off play doom eternal when that drops oh, man um, i cannot wait yeah i'm pretty excited for that game um same with Ooh. resident evil 3 i'll probably take a day off to play that too um I'm trying to think of like some other games you're just saying that i've realized i'm in the weird venn diagram of people who are buying Animal Crossing and Doom Eternal on the same day, and I'm yeah, equally excited for both. It's so funny. I forgot about Animal Crossing. Yeah, I'll probably Talk pick about that a up too. Cleanser. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah, counter programming, man. Yeah, but there's a bunch of other little games that are coming out on the Switch that I definitely want to put some more time into. There's like uh, a Mega Man X oh, collection that's coming out in like a couple weeks or like a week or so i think actually for a second i thought you were talking about a game called omega man x that's a spinoff but a cool ripoff dude that's like yeah way cool yeah no yeah it's like a mega man uh x like remastered it's like the gba right, 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 game right. it's like the gba games that are getting remastered for switch which is or not remastered but ported for switch yeah. And so I'm probably going to try that out because I've been hurt, told that those are like really, really good Mega Man X games. Um, yeah, there's just a ton of stuff that I haven't had a chance to try out and that I've wanted to. Um, I tried picking up Control again, and I did get like a, like three or four more hours into the game. I want to go back. Uh, I'm still pretty early on. I don't have any. like I have like two powers. Um, yeah, I mean, just... A lot of Apex and a lot of Overwatch, for at least for this week. Um, and the weekend starts tomorrow, so I'm sure I'll put some more time into some stuff this weekend for sure. I know you're a huge movie buff. Real quick, what was your favorite film of 2019? Ooh, good question. Um, what did I put down? I put one film. Oh, 2019? Yeah, uh, 1917, hands down. Oh, cool. Hands down. Like, that's one of the best if not the best movie experience I've ever had, like in a theater. Um, hold up, hold up. Is it better, or I guess is it better than a better war movie than Saving Private Ryan? Is it that level? It's different. That's the problem, is that you can't okay. really compare it to that because... It sounds it, more like Dunkirk. Yeah, but I think the problem with Dunkirk is that it was... 
it was marketed really weird because yeah. like if you've seen that movie it's like three different storylines happening at different times and they're all moving differently and then they all connect yeah. again at the end and it it's really hard to kind of keep track of what's going on uh the movie like dunkirk is beautiful and it's it's great but this movie blows that movie out of the water Whoa. Um, 110%. It's like, it's it's definitely like creeped in my top 10 movies of like all time. The direction it in the movie. It sold me just, on that yeah, last that. shot in the trailer of like yeah. the, the panning out, the panning backward shot. Ugh. Yeah. And like, that's incredibly well done. Like, it, it doesn't even like really, it, it, it's about the characters. And I think, honestly, I know like the whole gimmick of having like a one shot like take and all that is like kind of overrated and it's been done a lot over the last few years but like i think in terms of the way that it's done with this movie i think it's more emotionally attached to the characters because it's done like that where it's like you're literally not the camera is not being taken off of those characters for the whole two hour runtime of the film and i gotta watch this thing yeah so like honestly like the direction the cinematography in and of itself is mind-blowing um sound design is amazing it like i i i don't normally like to like a movie's horn more than i really should but like i literally tweet i when i first saw it i like couldn't stop talking about it with people and like i was like you need to see this movie in the theater or else you're like you're really doing yourself a disservice and like I, in the last five six seven years i haven't been like you have to go see this movie i i like not even an Avengers movie, I've been like, oh, you have to go see that movie because it's like, yeah, you're gonna see it if you want to see it. Like it's an Avengers movie. It's it, it is what you probably already think it is. So, this is like, okay, war movies and all that have been done to to death. Like you've seen so many war movies. It's a good pun. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, to see it done this way and to see it done so well and the way it's executed like the emotional impact of what you're watching and the way that the characters are interacting with each other and the relationship that they have and like kind of their backstory that you don't really know about. And then like the, there, there's like probably in the last minute of the movie is one of the best shots I've ever seen, like in <coughs> cinema. And I've posted a gif of it before, but I don't want to, talk about it because if you guys haven't seen it then you'll obviously probably know what i'm talking about but Respect. there's like ma- like the last 30 seconds of the movie is like incredibly emotional and it's just like two hours i just spent with these characters it's over there's no there's gonna be no sequel like you know what i mean like it's just like you've just there's a lot of investment and you're brought into it really quickly and you're just really invested in what's going on and i think I think that in and of itself is like not done very well in movies these days because movies yeah. these days is all about it's all about franchises it's all about sequels and you know making as much money as you possibly can and I feel like filmmaking and I, I don't want to be like one of those guys that's like oh you know filmmaking is is dead because it's really not but like this is just really special and I think for listeners, I think for you guys, if you have the chance to go see this movie in a theater, like by all means, please like go on an early Saturday morning. It's probably not going to be in theaters for much longer because it technically came out December 25th in like select c- cities, but 
as like January seventeenth, I think it like went ri- wide release. So like if you yeah, have so. if Hell you yeah. have like some time, like by all means, like go see this movie. Like Shit. it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. So Shit. Yeah. that's yeah. been it for glad Jared asked you about. <laughs> that's been it for episode one seven uh, episode 177 of the controlled interest gamecast andrew thank you for joining us if you can please let yeah. the people know where they can find you on the internet yeah if you want to follow me on twitter you definitely can do that uh my twitter handle is papa drew bear it's spelled how it sound mm-hmm. all one word um i do a podcast with alex van aiken over at ok beast it's called the jump master podcast you can find that on spotify itunes i think pretty much everything uh, it's an Apex Legends podcast. Um, I am working on bringing back my comic book podcast that I used to do with John Bernardo, oh, wow. my co-host. So hopefully that'll be finished here soonish. Um, and then uh, Raccoon City Radio, which is a Resident Evil podcast that I do with Alex O'Neill over at Irrational Passions. That's coming back probably towards the end of March. Uh, just right before the release of Resident Evil 3 Remake. Um, and you can find that and Panel to Panel both on iTunes and Spotify and, like, all of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I, that's all I have to plug. <laughs> Thank you for joining us again. We yeah. want to have you back uh, later in the year. This will yeah. likely be the last episode you'll be on with Jordan, I'd assume, because oh. obviously Jordan's leaving with episode 180, but... Maybe you both will be back at some point where we have two guests. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not go. ruling it out, but let more <laughs> like maybe Jordan will be killed at the hands of Andrew. No, no. Uh, my <laughs> goodness, that's a long drive from Minnesota that, that, to Nashville. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if it's worth. When it. you want someone dead, <laughs> if you can, please uh, <laughs> head over to YouTube. Search "Controlled Interest" will pop up. Hit the subscribe button. The bell notification will let you know when we upload new videos because you can never trust YouTube's uh, subscription boxes. If you go to our iTunes and uh, follow us there as well, leave us a review. Hopefully five stars. It helps us out. Twitter, you can find us collectively at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. We tweet out the you know the newest uploads and a bunch of video game-related content. You can find me personally at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. You can follow Jordan at Malamotus. And like he said, you can follow Andrew at Papa Drew Bear. We'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.